I have not maybe not funny, but I have been thinking. It's been a while since we did a um well I was gonna say, since we've done a fun episode, I actually do have fun doing all of them these <laughs> days and that's how far I've fallen. But like us watching some more lamer's anime or some shit. Oh yeah, yeah, we should do that. We're just like diving our way through this book. Yeah. <laughs> not, we've not paused for tomfoolery and uh, mixed media in a while. Maybe we yeah. play one of the games together. Who knows? Oh yeah. Okay. Let's 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 think about that. Let's do that. Let's think yeah. of something something fun. Cool. Not like this usual shit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, to Brad and Barricades, Lamer's podcast. I'm Nemo Martin. I use they them pronouns and. I was literally gonna say I just opened a coconut so I feel very happy because I haven't done that in a while and I've seen like loads of like films recently where people eat <laughs> coconuts and then I did that thing in my head where I was like I had a play on out of fish so true to form <laughs> but I'm very proud of my achievement of opening a coconut so well congratulations on what is sure to be another award-winning coconut <laughs> yeah thank you yeah this is stevie she they pronouns uh primary researcher i haven't opened a coconut in a while the last time i did i think in the end we took it outside went at it with a hammer and in the end just angrily threw it at the the patio floor and that did it it actually cut in very beautiful halves the trick I learned today was you put it in the oven for 10 minutes and it um, cracks open. Oh. After you take all the water out. So you, you dewater it first through the little bowling the pin little holes. holes and then you put it in the oven and it cracks really nicely. And then, oh. yeah, no <laughs> hammer involved. I'd never considered making it easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, I did go at it with a hammer for about 10 minutes. But then because I live in a, a flat, right? And I was like... It's um, eight o'clock at night and I feel like I need to concede defeat and put this in the oven. <laughs> well, that'll be the uh, most important thing you learn from this podcast episode today. Hell yeah. Because Victor Hugo is going to try and impart some kind of moral lesson on us today. Mm -hmm. So we're on book seven. I want to say this like Patron, like the alcohol. Uh, Patron Minute? Pat oh, pa I think it's Patron, like a patron. patron. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure that you will very quickly remember all of this. That he I guess, you know what? We've had a lot of plot. <laughs> so we have to slow this, this train back down. Mm -hmm. And um, Victor Hugo's been thinking a lot of thoughts today. But there's going to be a very important cameo, so that'll keep us going through this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, we're already getting into some boys I don't particularly enjoy. But there'll be one boy you'll be very happy to see. <laughs> <laughs> and with the way this podcast has gone, who <laughs> could it possibly be? <laughs> I'm really sorry, I just typed Patron Minette from French to English into Google Translate, and it came up with Boss Pussy. <laughs> B-O-S-S-P-U-S-S-Y, Boss Pussy. <laughs> well, book seven, Boss Pussy. Um, <laughs> wow, I love when the title... Actually, I don't know if... <laughs> I don't know if they would even let us put that, that title. 
Um, so get we're, we're, prepare your brains for some like big concepts here. Chapter one: Minds and Miners. Human societies all have what is called the in the theater the third level down. Uh-huh. Are, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know where we are. There are upper minds and lower minds. The shadows, those dark incubators of primitive Christianity, were only awaiting the opportunity to erupt under the Caesars and to inundate the human race with light. All lava begins as darkness. So the theme of this chapter is that there's human society and we're on a lot of levels. I kind of feel like this has been Hugo's, like, Circles of Hell, Dante's Inferno, like, I can do that too. Mm. And mine's about the theatre, so it makes it so much more classy. Oh yeah, the the society as the theatre is a big theme in this uh, little book. So basically, beneath the structure of society, there's all these little excavations going on, and all these little mine tunnels. They're all underground, and... They're kind of working towards the same goal, which is uh, like human enlightenment. Like, so there's the religious minds, the philosophical minds, the economic minds, the revolutionary minds. And even though sometimes it'll seem like they're working against each other, they're kind of running into each other for this common cause, which is the like working towards the future, hmm. is how I think. I can best sum that up. Mm-hmm. But that we don't, like, society might not realize that there's all these things going on underground. Just the future happens, but it takes all of these people and thoughts working in this filthy underground of the mine to make that happen. And that's where he was going with, like, volcanoes. Uh, Full of gloom, but capable of this blazing light, because lava begins as darkness, and Christian enlightenment was just burrowing away under Caesars, and now look how enlightened we are. Mm -hmm. So the deeper down, the more mysterious these works, because he's really going following this metaphor. So down to a level the social philosopher can identify the work is good. Beyond that level is a dubious and uh, it's variable. Lower still, it becomes terrible. At a certain depth, these excavations become impenetrable to the spirit of civilization. And on that lowest of levels is the beginning of monsters. Try to stick with him with this. The ladder of the descent is a strange one. So we're, we're, we're traveling down this mine shaft through these levels. Mm. So I think we're currently on the level that's not full of monsters. We're just at that philosopher one, which mm. is a good, mysterious level. Below John Hughes, there is Luther. Below Luther, there is uh, Desecrates. Below Desecrates, there is Voltaire! Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, possibly Descartes. Descartes. I don't know if that's pronounced properly, but... I... Um, there's a lot of names coming that I'm just going to throw pronunciations out there. You throw your version. Both of us will be wrong, but the we'll try. only reason why I think it's D-E-S-C without seeing it is because... In a lot of Pacific Rim fan fiction, okay. <laughs> Newton 
Newt was a really big fan of Descartes. Descartes. Yep. <laughs> and Excellent. so I was like, ah, philosophers, French, probably that and not desecrate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was Ooh. the fake Pacific Rim fan this whole time. <laughs> you know, there was that really, really long one and it got taken down, which is so sad. I can't even remember what it's called, but it was like, it was a really good Herman and um new one and yeah it, like that that had a lot of Descartes in it so I feel like I know the one you mean and that it came up in a video essay that I watched I think it did it, it had a lot of like him going out of his mind and he was mm, still, yeah, 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 yeah 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 and one. he was like on the wall and it was like really sad and there was a seagull <laughs> I don't know <laughs> anyway well, that, that kind of fits with this weird clambering down into the descent of society yeah it's Um, kind of weird though like maybe it will go into this in a second but like at least in the uk the top level of the theater that's what called the gods because like you're so high up you're in the gods mm. kind of thing um but that's where all the cheap seats are so like all of the poor people are up there you know in the gods right at the top whereas all of the rich people are in the stalls at the front so really this uh metaphor allegory uh question mark um doesn't work framing device framing device doesn't Mm. work in 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 that like well maybe it does because rich people are good no rich people are bad says hugo and poor people are good but that's not what he's saying here that is absolutely what what he's saying here so (laughs) oh my god yeah that's we're gonna get into that where like we've just had so much of like this boy this awkward boy he's so like he's in his own head but he's good because he's so poor and he's thinking thoughts blah 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 and now he's like anyway forget what i said yeah but before we can get to them we're still at voltaire yeah sorry No, I'm so I love when there's been many times where one of us has known something and someone else has been impressed and we're like, actually that's from this fanfic or actually that's from this sports anime. <laughs> Who just like to be able to use our knowledge? I've got I got it from somewhere. I just need to put it like I need to put it to use, otherwise what's the point? <laughs> yeah. So below Voltaire there is Condesit. Uh, and below him is Rospierre, below Rospierre is Marat, below Marat is Babouf, and so it goes on, um, going lower and lower, adding another metaphor to this part. We're now thinking of it in terms of embryos. The embryonic work of the future is one of the visions of philosophy. A fetus world in limbo. Um, he can't, I don't know, he's having a lot of grand thoughts and... Uh, likes to throw throw them around some <laughs> imagery i guess so all these underground pioneers are linked by an invisible divine chain and that's that they all think they're isolated and that they're so different but really <laughs> they're not question mark okay um that they're all ed- edgelords who think no one's ever thought like this mm. um but the thing they have in common is their disinterestedness, which made me laugh until he like went on and I was like, oh, that's not what I, th- I thought he meant, that they're just like edgy and don't care about anything, but it's that they don't care about themselves. 
They're like Jesus mm. like that, says Hugo. Ah, I see. I see. Mm. But not me, says Victor Hugo. I don't think like all of the other people. I'm original in thought. Yeah. <laughs> but I maybe someone has said that I'm like Jesus. Who? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they see something other than themselves. They don't think of themselves. They set aside themselves. And that's they're working towards society <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like I, I i read this i underlined so much it i still find it kind of difficult to pass but yeah that so this layer of the underground where all of these tunnels that like maybe sometimes they think that they're contrasting or like their ideas don't fully align but they are all t- working towards I wish he'd just have a sentence that just sums it up for me. <laughs> they're working towards something. Yeah, yeah. Which, and they're starry-eyed about it. Let us not forget. Um, venerate anyone who has a sign, the starry eye. The dark eye is the other side. <laughs> and <laughs> the social order has its dark miners. And they're further down, mm. deeper than Baboof. In the last tunnel, which is a terrible place, this is what we have called the third level down. It is the cavern of the blind. It connects directly to the abyss. So, in that place, that's where disinterestedness vanishes. Mm. And every man is for himself. And where they don't care about things and don't want to work towards something. So I'll stand by my bad summing up that yep. everyone on the second level is working towards something. Yeah, yeah. So in this bottom pit, they are not concerned with universal progress. Uh, they only care about individual gratification. They have two mothers, both of them stepmothers, because what could be worse? <laughs> Ignorance <laughs> and destitution. They have an appetite for every type of indulgence. And yeah. This is where he's like, forget everything I said about the noble poor. These larvae move on from suffering to crime. Inevitable progression. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Going hungry, being thirsty, that's the starting point. Embodying Satan, that is where it ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've just seen in book four, Hugo said that, and I'm like, was he allowed to? Okay, I guess he does just like self-reference a lot, but <laughs> as we've just seen in book four... um. One of the chambers of the upper mine of the great political, revolutionary, and philosophical tunnel. Wow, I'm really struggling. (laughs) Um, As we've said, everything is noble, honorable, admirable, honest. Certainly mistakes might be made, but they're so heroic about it that even when they err, you've got to respect it, he says. Mm, You've Um, got to. You've got to respect it. (laughs) Gotta respect those mistakes. Um, All the work done there has a name, progress. And it's at that point that I'm like, what was book four? Hmm. So I was like, the boys weren't that long ago, so it couldn't have been them. Oh, did he mean, maybe he meant book four as in book four of this part, which was Mm. Friends of the ABC. So, okay, I think he is being like, as we've just seen, there's all these boys and they care about revolution and politics and philosophy and maybe they make mistakes but look how heroic they are Mm. 
So but they're my precious little boys. <laughs> my little OC boys. They're <laughs> so pretty. And they've got such voluptuous lips. Such voluptuous lips. We've got more voluptuous lips coming up. Don't worry. Oh my god. So, let us say it again. Underlying society there is, and there will be until the day ignorance is dispelled, the great cavern that is evil. And in that cavern lives poor people. Mm-hmm. Who in- inevitably will develop into Satan. Undoubtedly. That's, you know... Satan just loves coming out of poor people. It's true. Hugo said it, and I have to believe him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said it with his words. Mm-hmm. So in this cave, because now it's not a fourth, it's not a third level, it's not a third tunnel, it's a cave, mm-hmm. in which these larvae live, um, is hatred without exception. They've never fashioned a quill here. The blackness has nothing to do with the blackness of the inkwell. Mm -hmm. Never have these fingers of night that tense beneath the suffocating ceiling leafed through a book or opened a newspaper. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Mm. Um, The object of this cave is the destruction of everything. So down here, they're looking to undermine philosophy and science and law and civilization and progress. Mm. It is called quite simply theft prostitution murder assassination Mm. it is darkness and it wants chaos Mm. its vault is shaped by ignorance genuinely when you said vault i thought you were going to say it's voltaire (laughs) (laughs) he's back (laughs) no voltaire's done sadly Mm. and that all that other level we were just discussing Mm mm-hmm their one object is to do away with this vault of ignorance. Yes, destroy the mine of ignorance and you destroy the underminer crime. Um, mm. And then he's like, well, kind of a, you know, the same, you know, when I was like, well, this week I'm going to defend Marius. And then a week later when I'd had time to sit on it, I was like, actually, I'm asking for the bare minimum. <laughs> I'm giving a lot of credit here. Mm. I was going to be like, wow. And then he says this nice thing. Humanities of one kind, and all men are made of the same clay. And you're like, well, that's not asking for much after mm. some of the things that you've just said, Hugo. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting that 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 passage. I can't remember if I've talked about it before. I'm sure I have. So sorry if you've listened to this podcast since the beginning. But uh, this is one passage that I've used um, to talk about how darkness and blackness is used in Hugo to continually be described as bad right like the only good kind of the only positive thing that is black in this passage has been ink which is used for knowledge Mm. um but everything else is like blackness is bad darkness is bad and it like it could be argued that those are just words and it's not to do with race but when you see the whole like you know whiteness lightness being used to connote godliness and goodness and purity and darkness, blackness, always used to denote evil and bad thoughts and being impure. We saw it. We saw it being. We saw it with the um. Oh my god, the devil who is in the. Oh yeah, with the shovel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it was literally the like um. Oh, he was a black man who. Blah, blah blah and like that it, that it's so intrinsically linked 
to race, even though it's not talking about black people here explicitly. It's not. It, he's not explicitly saying black people are bad. He's not explicitly saying like dark skinned people are bad and white skinned people are good. But he's still saying that darkness is bad and that blackness is bad. Um, mm. Yeah, and it's the whole like um, this section is about class. Clearly, it's about you know money and richness and poor people being bad because they're not because they're dumb as shit says victor hugo um and that's where the devil is spawned but it's like you can't you can't unpick race from it as well and Mm. yeah i i just find it a very interesting section because he'll say all of that and he'll like mean all of that stuff and then you'll be like and of course all of human race is connected by the shame clay (laughs) (laughs) yeah (sighs) Um, do as you do as you do rather than as you no what the mm. the saying is do as I say not as I do right question mark some you you get what I mean like yeah like thinking about Victor Hugo he says all of these really nice he like he has like whole essays about something and then he says something really nice at the end and we're like oh wow that thing that he said at the end was really <laughs> nice while also being like wait a second. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you beat me down so hard that this little glimmer was like, oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, like I, what you were saying, I don't, I've already forgotten if I read these lines, but he's got all that sort of very classic way that um, people of color were described, especially in this time period with like the people in this lower level of savage figures prowling mm. near beasts, which mm. I'm pretty sure he kind of used to, yeah, describe, I, th- I think that same one black character with the shovel who it's like maybe he's the devil and maybe you'll die later if you even look at him yeah yeah i mean there's quite a like running theme like we we've talked about blackness and we haven't talked so much so far about um indigenous people but that like he he does use a lot of like um like actual tribe names well the white people versions of actual mm. tribes people to compare to Nadia to. So savageness being blackness, but also savage in its like, you know, original scare quotes, um, terminology meaning like an indigenous person of the Americas, um, and elsewhere, but he mostly uses it to mean Americas. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hugo. <laughs> Well, you know, he was just like, all men are of the same clay. Yeah. But ignorance mingled with the stuff of humankind blackens it. Ah, there we go. (laughs) This incurable blackness spreads inside man and there becomes evil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, here's the more boys. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Babette. Guillemin, Clacuso, and Montparnasse. How did you feel about that? I'm going to say Babet, Clacuso, uh, Montparnasse, and uh, what was the other one? Guillemin. <laughs> yeah, Guillemin, Guillemin, Guillemin. There's a lot of U's. Guillemin, yeah, yeah, he can get what he gets. <laughs> <laughs> so Babette. Babet. Babet. Yeah. Bebe, Yume, Klaxo? Klaxu? 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 
and Montparnasse. Yeah, that's what I think. But, you know, that's really, really based on how they're pronounced in the musical. So Okay, great. <laughs> um, so they'll rhyme with something, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Wow, from 1813 to 1835, which actually isn't that long, but maybe mm. it's a long time for a gang of ruffians <laughs> to rule Paris's third level down. Because I was like, where is this going? <laughs> and I was reading his like <laughs> philosophical thoughts on the layers of hell that is society. Mm. Uh, but he brought it round. Yeah. So, first boy. <laughs> he's a low-life Hercules. Mm. Um, it was so hard not to... I, I've been listening to a really gay podcast where when there's any man, I think even when they're not actually into him, they'll still be like, yes, based on any description. <laughs> so I just had them in my head being like, rail me about Gilmer. <laughs> Because he's six feet tall with pectorals of marble, biceps of steel, massive chest cavity, the torso of a colossus. Wow, look at this bear. Huh? Look at this bear. Is he still a bear? He's... Actually, no, wait. I think there is there is hair to be described. Yes, you're... <gasps> Nima, you were right. You did remember this bear. Because <laughs> he's bearded like a wild boar. Yeah. He might have subdued monsters, but he'd found it more expedient to be one. Low brow, broad temples. Crow's feet, though not yet 40. And I was like, Hugo, don't come for me. I'm not even 30. <laughs> His muscles cried out for work. Please. His stupidity would have none of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a himbo. Uh, No, it's not a himbo because he's not nice. No. Opposite. Just a... Not even a Chad. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever's below. Um, He was thought to be Creole. Is Creole American like... I'm pretty sure... You sound like you have an explanation. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Creole um, can both mean... Uh, someone who is mixed black and white and also mean someone who is white American because I looked it up before and I was like, oh, that's um, uh, a pretty explicitly like half black character, mm. question mark. A person of European descent born especially in West Indies or Spanish America or a person of mixed French and Spanish and black descent Mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah it can be either so but i'm gonna st- I, like i want to say that literally be- okay two things he isn't described as being black and if he was then hugo would be like and his dark black skin yes, makes him true. evil but equally he is described as being big and beastly in a way so that's also something you know yeah could go either way, which is, yeah. Mm, definitely. Well, yeah, they're in France. It makes sense for them to be like, and yeah, the French Americans are Creole, surely. <laughs> that you're like, yep, this book's set in France. Yeah, yeah. Um, Canonically French. <laughs> he's basically a bandit. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Babé. Is yeah. that how you? Yeah. Babé, slightness contrasted with his uh, Guillaume's bulk. Uh, so he's lean and canny, 
transparent but impenetrable. Um, <laughs> wow, not before he uh, <laughs> gets a him so. Or he's um, short King Tuck. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's nothing going on in his eyes though, and that's how you know that things aren't quite right here. <laughs> Mood. Um, <laughs> um, so he declares himself a chemist. He had been a clown. Uh, <laughs> a fine talker uh, who puts quotation marks around his gestures, whatever that means. Um, street vendor selling plaster busts and portraits. He also pulled teeth. Uh, he'd been a showman of freaks at fairs and had his own booth um, and on his poster, he'd put Babe, dentistry artist, member of the acad- academies, conducts physical experiments on metals, extracts teeth, tackles stumps uh, left by fellow practitioners. Um, and then he's got a great deal on how many teeth he'll pull out for you. Take advantage of these bargains. He'd been married with children. But he doesn't know where they've gone. He lost them the way a person loses a handkerchief. Which, you'll, you know, when you, just occasionally I am like, oh, Hugo, I liked that. My man really is um, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. <laughs> like, apart from all the, you know, shit things in that sentence, uh, he's an ADHD boy. <laughs> you know, he's like <laughs> picking up one hobby, putting down another, pulling teeth um, in one hand, uh, opening... Uh, being a clown in the other. Yeah, have we not all been a clown? <laughs> Unlike, he's a rare exception of this shady world in that he reads newspapers. Mm. Um, and a fun little anecdote about him is that one time he was reading the newspaper and a woman had given birth to a infant with the muzzle of a calf and he'd exclaimed, wow, that's worth a fortune. My wife wouldn't have the wit to give me a child like that. <laughs> Um, and that's him. Yay! What of Klesso? Klexu? He was night. He would come out of some hole and he'd return to it before daylight. Where is that hole? No one knows. What is his name? We also don't know. Uh, Klexu is just a nickname. If a candle was produced, he'd put on a mask. Okay. So, no one's ever seen his face. He's always wearing a mask. So, evil Batman? (laughs) (laughs) He's the knight. He is the knight. Oh my god, that's, yeah, that's great. No one even knows if he's got a face, as only his mask has ever been seen. And he's like a ventriloquist, because people are like, does he speak? I don't know, the voice is coming from somewhere. Oh my god, imagine... Imagine being robbed by Batman, but the voice comes from, like, behind you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cursed. He just vanishes like a ghost and appears out of the ground. And then that was all we got on him. But I was like, tell me more about this boy who no one's seen his face? Yeah. What does this mask look like? Yeah, he I was... want to know, like, has he got, like, the V for Vendetta mask on? Like, does he have, I was like... imagining the V for Vendetta mask, actually. Ooh, interesting. Good job, us. Yeah, not sure why, but I feel, I feel like having his mask described would be quite important to the, the, the word picture you're painting. Yeah. The en- and I had no idea... Oh, you go. I was just going to say, the engraver just being like, one more word detail, please. <laughs> 
a blank mask, a Naruto mask. Oh my god. One of many. But yeah, I had no idea there was a character like that. But I'm like, why have I not seen really weird fan art? I guess because <laughs> these are all bastards, but still. Yeah. You'd think that would come up. Yeah. Well, okay. How many um, uh, Babe Kluxu fix do we think there are? Three? Babe Mompanas. Babe Mompanas. Mompanas. Babe Gumer. There's only one. <laughs> oh no, that laugh. <laughs> it's called an issue of size. No. And uh, and of course, one of the tags is size kink riding desperation. When yeah, Babe agreed to the little arrangement, he did not take into account Gemma's size. <laughs> not quite so little arrangement. <laughs> oh. uh, so no Klaxo fix? Um, oh yeah, there's Babe Klaxo. There's five works. Oh, um, I wasn't super far off. He is the knight, is one yep. of them. Yep, yep. <laughs> Turns out that letting a little mystery into your life can be the right choice. Um, the dark before the dawn. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's child abuse, so let's Ooh. not. Um, teenage wasteland. One of them is gender fluid, so it's interesting. And. Fuck not found, which the first line of it is, where are your tits? Under the mask. Yeah, well. Well, they're out there. Yeah, I feel like an issue of size is my favorite one. I feel like they win. (laughs) I I feel like like, if I was to expect any of these four to be shipped, it would be for there to be fix of Babe and Guillemers, just because they get the line about the just contrasting size difference. So it writes itself. It doesn't surprise um, me that Montparnasse is the one who is like shipped the most with Babe, just because Montparnasse is like one of the more like loved characters, I guess, and Babe is like in most of the adaptations. So uh-huh. yeah, so it checks out. Well, speaking of mm. that bitch, uh, Montparnasse was a child not yet 20 years of age. Mm. So a 20-year-old is still a child, Victor Hugo. But mm. a 15-year-old is mm. in the uh, that little sexy moment of childish innocence, but yeah. a womanly gleam in the eye. Yeah, yeah. Stunning thing with uh, uh, that three words can convey 15 years old. <laughs> I had to listen back to that the other day and it was like, yeah, yeah. he did say that. <laughs> well, this child of 20 with an attractive face, lips like cherries. Yeah. Teenage <laughs> dream. No way. Yeah. Is it? That's that one, right? Um, she tasted like cherry chapstick. I think you've blended two songs. I see. Interesting. Well, what I wanted to say was the cherry chapstick one. Uh, I kissed a girl. There we go. Yes, there you have it. You, you, yeah. Well, he, yeah, he better only ever be described as tasting like cherries. Mm. Um, cherries and some undefinable other thing. He's just his natural musk. Yeah. <laughs> 
and the brightness of spring in his eyes. Mm. He had every vice and aspired to every crime. So where these other lads are kind of just described as like, they are this monster or... But Bert does, does, doesn't really have that, like, here's that one line. Mm. Besides, he was been a clown. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Pakuso, who is the knight, um, mm. he aspires to crime. So he's, like, trying his best to, like, maybe he's not that. He wouldn't have naturally been that, but um, has chosen this life for himself, or at least that one word aspired, like, sent my brain off and the essay mm. you'd have to write at uni. Um, yeah, yeah. Diet of wickedness. <laughs> um, so he was the gammon, let's not forget gammons, turned into the lout, and the lout turned murderous robber. So, but don't also forget that he's good-looking, effeminate, graceful, strong, languid, ferocious. Um, he wears his hat in a very fashionable way. His frock coat was the best cut, but threadbare. Very fashionable, while living in poverty and committing murder. The cause of all this adolescence crimes was the desire to be well-dressed. Mm. And you know what? It's the fault of some girl. <laughs> She's the one who told him he was handsome and cast the sign of darkness on his heart and made a cane of this able. Uh, I, I really, I really, after that description, do not think it was a girl. <laughs> it's well. A, do you remember? Yeah. I don't know whether you actually got up to it in the BBC adaptation. Um, no, but I remember our discussion about it so much, where you were like, "I can't believe they did. They just so happen." To, oh, we just accidentally dressed the one black character in the gang in nothing. And he's prowling around when it's like, yeah, reading this description of like how fashionable and effeminate and just like graceful. And he's wearing a cravat and he's like, he's his outfit and his look is so described. Like, the one character who is like obsessed with how he looks and obsessed with how beautiful he is, and they're like, "Ooh, maybe he's a black guy who's just like uh only wearing a ratty waistcoat and like is just really i mean he looks fashion to us in the kind of like if you saw him in Camden like in twenty twenty one you'd be like, "Wow, cool, looking queer, but like." Not in this. That is not what they were going for. Mm. <sighs> Still makes me angry. Good to feel something, though. <laughs> <laughs> Discovering he was good looking, he wanted to be elegant. I remembered you you saying that, that line. Mm. But the height of elegance is idleness. And a poor man's idleness is crime. Mm. Uh, at By 18, he'd already killed a lot of people. Um, he... <laughs> But Hugo can't stop describing him. Be like, you know, there's a lot of people who've been in a pool of their own blood looking up at him. Looking up at that nipped-in waist with a woman's <laughs> hips. Chest and soldiers of a Prussian officer. Cravat deftly knotted, a cudgel in his pocket, a flower in his buttonhole. Such was this death-dealing dandy. So actually, is it that he's so terrifying because he's just so... How could this man be so effeminate and womanly? Yeah. 
like that's that's the the kind of line that I wrote into my PhD was the like the the fear of him is that it's unexpected that like he doesn't look like Bouchon uh sorry mm. Bouchon isn't here yet right um but Babe and Klaxu like he doesn't look like a big lout as Hugo described them he doesn't look like Tinadier he doesn't look like these like ratty terrifying men he looks like a very beautiful and very like uh vulnerable and very weak person and he uses that to like gut his victims and that that's what's supposed to be scary about him the like unexpected mm-hmm. but no they have to lean into their anti-blackness <laughs> gotta do it to him Nemo. next chapter the makeup of the gang mm. Which they're all wearing like, Maybelline. Yeah, and I was like, oh, they mean like what made up this gang? Is <laughs> what their little matching smoky eye. So these four ruffians are snaking through the police and swapping names, trading tricks, hiding in their own shadows. Sometimes shrinking themselves to be a sole individual. Sometimes multiplying themselves uh, so that they're mistaken for a throng. There was some kind of mysterious four-headed robber instead of four separate men. And so, like, if you have a big crime that you want to do, if you're like, I have some vague ideas, they'll then, like, carry it out. Mm. And we get back to the society as theatre metaphor with that of, um, you know, you dream up these schemes with your imagination and then they carry them out um, from the skeleton of a plot. Um which the latter took charge of staging, they worked from a synopsis. Mm. They had a troupe of shady actors available for every underworld drama. And the name of their little crew is... Uh, fuck, what was it? <laughs> Boss Pussy! So, Boss Pussy! <laughs> uh, Boss Pussy! Um, and I don't, need to dis- I don't need Nemo to describe what the name means, because like, it's right there. But, um, uh, I just, just got a new um, housemate, and this is the loudest that I've been. So I hope that the <laughs> first thing he hears me say is "boss pussy." <laughs> <laughs> well, then they'll know what he's getting in for. Yeah. For everyone who are too cowardly to call them "boss pussy," they are patron minute, meaning morning. The same way that between dog and wolf means evening. Mm. So they're called morning, even though they hang out at night, because it's at morning that they finish their business and vanish like ghosts. You can sometimes tell what a play is like from the cast of characters. (laughs) Similarly, a gang can almost be appraised of its list of members. And here's some of those names of the people that are their associates. <laughs> uh-huh. um, do you want all of them or just the ones that I was like, I recognize that name? Mm, yeah, actually, I want to hear you try and pronounce them all. So go Ow. ahead. <laughs> Panchold, alias Printanair, alias, oh God, Big Rene, Big Renale. <laughs> <laughs> Brujon, who you've mentioned before. Mm. There was a Brujon dynasty. We may return to them later. Boulatriel, the road member, 
Road Mender, <laughs> who has already made a brief appearance. Appearance. Oh my god. <laughs> um, made a brief appearance. Uh huh. And I recognize the name. I remember hearing it being said, and maybe even I said it, but I cannot remember where he is from. Road Mender. Uh, I feel like there was a Road Mender in um in the same scene as the um. Uh, shovel man. Yeah, it's not just straight up the shovel man, is it? Or was it the guy who recognized Jean Valjean from prison and was like, I'll follow mm. him for his pleasure? Maybe. Yeah. Well, we've met him before, whoever you are. Yeah. Le Vouv. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see you do this one better. I'm typing it out to you. Yeah. Look. La Vouve? Mm. La Vouve. <laughs> I'm Vouve. sticking by. La Vouve. I don't know. <laughs> He's here. Finisterre. Mm-hmm. Homer. Hogu. A Negro. Mm. Says Hugo. Mm. Um, Ma Dissoir. Oh, God. Depeche, Fontleroy, alias Bouquetier, <laughs> Glorio, a freed felon. Mm. Oh god, there's so many double letters. Belkis, alias mm. Monsieur Dupont. Monsieur the Bridge? No, yeah. Oh, is Pont- it? Because Pont Neuf is a bridge, so... Well, I like that, Monsieur Le Bridge. Um, Le Plain du Sud, Pousse Grive, Carmenolet. Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, Coup de Nez, alias Bizarro. Hey! <laughs> uh, I hope he's a magician. He's gotta be a street magician. Um, so my least favorite character, uh, <laughs> Monge Dentil, mm. Le de l'air, Demiliard, alias Dumiliards, etc., mm. etc. Et um, so how was how was that to listen to? That was great. It was really entertaining. It makes me feel better about myself because I can't pronounce <laughs> French words, and I'm glad that I got the power to tell you to do that without oh. having to do it for myself. <laughs> I just kind of like try and miss out like half the vowels because yeah. that's usually how it goes, and then I know it's not like a more like. Uh, Spanish or Italian like rolled R it's like an R at the back of your throat where you're like oh yeah you kind of have to like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah no I, I don't know how the sounds are made and I, I don't know what to do it, it's not just like miss all the vowels it's like miss all of the consonants as well <laughs> mm. kind of slare them together well that was my best attempt and that was my best attempt if it was really bad that wasn't even me doing it bad to be funny (laughs) i was trying (laughs) well there are others no worse that we could mention they refer not merely to individuals but to types so these people don't really show their faces they're not the kind of men you see on the street 
has aroused at night. What has become of these men? They still exist. They have always existed, and as long as society is what it is, they will be what they are. Though individuals are extirpated, the tribe lives on. So these type of people living in the third level of Hugo's hell that is society are like interchangeable. Mm. Like there's always going to be people like this. From Swindler to Prowler, the race remains pure. They can detect purses and pockets, have a nose for watches and fobs. Gold and silver have a smell. Unsuspecting bourgeois citizens may, who might be said to look like easy pickings. Um, these men patiently pursue those innocents. Innocents, I see. <laughs> the, the most terrifying of crime, the unsuspecting bourgeois. They seem not to be men, but forms made of living mist. They are at one with the shadows and indistinct from them, living a monstrous life for a few minutes, and then they dissipate back into the darkness. What is needed to make these noxious spirits disappear? Light, floods of light, no bat withstands the dawn, illuminate society's underside. The same way that Batman can't fight <laughs> a crime? <laughs> and that's it so it's, how do you feel about that it's kind of interesting that Hugo did say um, you know these people will ex always exist as long as society remains this way and it's like yeah like I agree with that Hugo I don't agree with everything else that you've said like <laughs> you know you know that meme that's like oh um it's usually used on like conservative cell phones where it's like you're so close to getting it you're so close because mm. it's like yeah criminality will continue to exist as long as society stays this way and that's not solved by you know uh including in increasing police presence and like increasing jail time and stuff it's going to go down if you increase like social benefits and intrinsic value to humanity and all of that kind of stuff um yeah and it's it's it is really interesting like this is one of the sections where i'm like i really do wish that i could talk to victor hugo or like yeah just be like do you know what you're saying though <laughs> <laughs> how can you be step? so close and yet so far mm, he really had us in the first half well I think we're then freed of the circle of... No, it's not a circle. But, like, that. F the, it felt to me very his... I'm gonna do circles of Hell, Dante's Inferno. Um, his three levels. Mm. Metaphor? Framing device. Whatever it is. Yeah. It was one of those... It's interesting. I guess it was a, a whole book, actually, that I managed to get us through. Mm. <laughs> it was like... My brain's melting. Oh, I have more characters. Okay. Yeah, you've got to um, you've got to pay the toll to meet new interesting characters, and the toll That's is true. Victor Hugo being a pseudo pseudo intellectual philosophy mm. philosopher. Mm, yeah, whatever. Philosophy. I just yeah. Sometimes you do kind of wonder, like, do you read? Like when he's going was editing it or whatever. Did he read it in a like start to finish linear fashion? Mm. Because he will from one chapter be like, wow, just like the amazing things you can do when you're poor and you don't have other things <laughs> to think about. And then the next one be like, 
you know, you had nothing to think about, you poor person. So your fate is to be terrible. Yeah. And kind of like automatically, like, I, I don't know, lumping that with immediately and then you become a murderer. And here's yeah, all these murderer yeah. characters. I don't know. He's like, yeah, I just don't understand how you can write something like this and yeah and how you could write something like this like how how you can be how you can like literally have a main character who is like a poor criminal and then be like but not like other poor criminals (laughs) my poor criminal is a special jesus boy yeah oh hugo you want us to have sympathy Mm. for ex-convicts and how busted the system is, and then you're like, well, these terrible people, that the, if only the police could catch them. <laughs> and they can never change. It just goes on and on and on, and it will yeah. forever. So, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Their biggest crime, <sighs> wanting to be effeminate fancy lads in cravats. <laughs> Where's the Montanus? Yeah. yeah. This death-dealing dandy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and because he was so effeminate and evil, he uh, killed loads of people. So uh, make sure you hate crime them in order to make sure that you don't end up their next victim. I was almost kind of surprised that in the um, uh, it was Andrew Davies, wasn't it, who did the uh, did the one, the show. Andrew Davies was it not Andrew Davies? Sorry, who did the, um... you cut out for me, so I have no idea what you said. I made. Oh. Um, context clues. I wasn't. I was literally. I might not have even cut out. I didn't give you any context clues. Was it Andrew Davies <laughs> who did the the newest the TV show? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Reading Montparnasse's description, I was surprised he wasn't like, you know what? <laughs> gotta make, gotta make him a trans woman. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Why was he so masculine, Andrew Davies? Do you actually support gay people? <laughs> well, well, I guess those are our finishing on thoughts. that. <laughs> uh... Can't wait to not resolve this until uh, after our next week's special. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh my god! Yeah. Well, I guess we'll leave. We we're already planning to take a short break for something fun, but now we're leaving this book in disgrace. Woo! Well, the book is leaving us in disgrace. Someone's being disgraced, and it's Victor Hugo, and yeah. we need time to think about what he's done. Yeah, and to forget. <laughs> Yeah, by that time we probably will forget. Yeah. I oh, won't no, forget. Book, Sorry. Book eight. The villainous pauper. Oh <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can never forget. Yeah. On that note, uh this has been Fred and Barricades, a Lamus podcast, aka subtitle Victor Hugo hates all poor people except one. Um mm. There's uh, only one boss pussy in his life. <laughs> <laughs> Should have saved that for the end credits. My apologies. <laughs>
This is, uh, yeah, produced by me, Nima Martin, and Julian Yap. Uh, it's Captain's Collections Podcast. If you like Boss Pussy, you can send us an email to lamerspodcast, L-A-S-M-A-S-podcast at gmail.com, or to Twitter, lamerspodcast, or to our Tumblr at Red Barricades. Or you can just write us a review that says, just boss pussy on our itunes uh that will really help us yeah um you can send us money to our Kofi or patreon i don't know what you'll get you'll get more of this quality content clearly <laughs> it's just clicking to me that patron means boss and i guess it does oh. like if you're if you're a poor artist being paid by someone that's your boss right like that's your patreon patron saints are just the boss saints which does make sense yeah right and then minette i guess means pussy so um (laughs) the the more you learn (laughs) this translation seemed to think that it was morning but we know it's wrong Our sound is designed by Jade Liam Charisco. You can find her on her website, jadewasabi.com, or on her bandcamp, jadewasabi.bandcamp.com. And that's it. Let's say it with confidence. And that's it. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you. Where did, um, where... I'm going to stop recording now. No, if you wanted to say something funny, you can continue. Oh, it wasn't going to be funny. Oh, okay. <laughs>